If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Podcasts, the pod god, whatever else you want to call me, the the barbecue baron, some people are starting to say, the, 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 the king of the brisket, others are starting to say, I don't know, I've heard that on just around, but... You know, is that me saying that? Is that me agreeing with it? No, it's absolutely not. But that's what people are saying. Joined today, <laughs> joined today by the Alexis McAllister of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we discuss Jizzlets. It was a very, 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 very busy week. In the world of big smashers, I was going to say weekend, but I feel I feel like I left that inflection a little bit too long. We're going to start out talking about uh, a little bit of Bellator, a little bit of uh, a little bit of PFL, um, and uh, then I'm going to show it over to to Shawnee to talk a little bit about the UFC. But before we do that, have you heard? Smooth Sack Summer is here, and if you haven't already heard, why haven't you heard? Uh, where you're playing in the summer sun, you need to be skipped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer. They keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. So dive head first into smooth sex summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code severe MMA and it's uh, do you know what I had a, I had a good shave myself download that that needs to come as well. but uh you know when it's warm and rushing outside you need it you need it clean yourself up and do you know what is best for that the Manscaped Performance Package Four Point Oh it has absolutely everything starting off with off starting off with the lawnmower Four Point Oh is brilliant it has that advanced skin safe technology. 7,000 RPM motor, on and off multifunction switch, travel lock, 4,000K LED light, the whole shebang, sure. Did I mention it's waterproof? Take it to the beach, the lake, the shower? Absolutely perfect for all of that. The liquid formulation as well. I actually just got new ones there over the last couple of weeks. I love them. They get you fresh for the barbecue. The crop preserver, absolutely brilliant. The crop reviver, fantastic as well then we have the manscaped boxers and the shade travel bag which were the two gifts with that performance package 4.0 what more do you need oh but they also do you know what i was using these today the shears 2.0 because everyone you know you're wearing flip-flops you're going around like that that's exactly what you need but they have nail cutters tweezers and grooming scissors as well and i'll tell you this for free even though i'm getting paid 
they are really, 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 really good. Honest to God, if you buy nothing else, buy that. The, the shares to bind all that package is exceptional, exceptional. So get that over at manscaped.com. And you're going to have 20% off plus free shipping on that. That's brilliant. The free shipping, I'd rather free shipping 20% off nearly. I hate paying for shipping. So if you can get the free shipping at manscaped.com with the co- uh, promo code SEVEREMMA, it's smooth sack summer, boys. Get on board and or get left behind. Also, this podcast is brought to you by our awesome friends. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, over at Caldera Lab. And you know what you need with a smooth sack? You need a smooth face as well. It's right around the corner is the summer, not the sack. Uh, the sun shines brighter. Your skin deserves the utmost attention. Unfortunately, and, and for, I didn't say unfortunately, I said and fortunately, our sponsors, Caldera Lab, are the men's, the leader in men's uh, skincare, ensuring your skin is well prepared for the season ahead. Ever since uh, I incorporated a Calera Lab into my routine, well, I, I, honestly, I started with Calera Lab. Taking care of my skin has been even simpler with their clinically proven products, uh, wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Uh, it's re- visibly reduced, all of, uh, re- visibly reduced, all of those things. You know, boosted confidence, impeccable first impression this summer. What more do you want? And you can get 20% off their products, their finest products, at caleralab.com with the promo code SEVEREMMA, C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B. Labs, you know, if you don't know by now, they create high-performance men's skincare products by combining pharmaceutical-grade science along with nature's purest and most potent ingredients. Uh, the regimen leads their product line a twice a day routine to transform your skin but you'll also see the clean slate the base layer uh, and the good the clean slate helps you start your day it's a balancing cleanser the base layer is a nutrient dense fortifying moisturizer that hydrates your skin and the good is the go-to before night clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother i don't know why i put on an american accent but there you go um so yeah they're absolutely brilliant Check them out. We want you to take your skincare to the next level with Caldera Lab. And you got to do that. The icon as well for around your eyes. Absolutely brilliant. It's a rejuvenating eye serum. Takes away fine lines. Uh, or helps anyway. Fine lines, dark circles and puffiness. Committed to transparency, sustainability and excellence. Caldera Lab is on a mission to better men's skincare around the globe. Priding itself on clean ingredients and doing right by their customers. Just like here, us at Severe MMA. That was backwards. I sound like Yoda. Caldera Lab is a certified B Corporation as well as member of the 1%. I've never watched Star Wars, actually. I don't, I don't want to go act like I know who Yoda is and all that, but I did watch The Mandalorian, though. Anyway, uh, through upcoming uh, uncompromising craftsmanship, exceptional ingredients, and rigorous transparency, Caldera Lab is here to upgrade your skin and confidence. So get 20% off with our code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code SEVEREMMA. Elevate your skincare game this summer with Caldera Lab. All right, Graham. Uh, as I said there in the intro, there was a, a metric ton of mixed martial arts action over the weekend. And uh, we're going to start off, I suppose, with uh, Friday night, Bellator and PFL going again head-to-head. It feels like every time there's a big, a big card for either of them, the other one goes head-to-head with it. And I 
I, I would say, I don't know, is that uh, mint, but it, it feels like it is, although you never know. Non-UFC uh, MMA organizations are very kind of, Ara will just throw a card whenever and that'll be it. And uh, if they watch it, they'll watch it. If they like it, they like it. And that's it. And it's, there doesn't seem to be uh, much, uh, <laughs> much thought put into it. But I think Bellator definitely won the day in terms of people watching. Uh, I was live. I was. Uh, I, I listen. I watched the Bellator card and I watched bits and pieces of the PFL card. Just like I hate double screening, but watching live on Twitter and things, um, maybe triple screening in that case. I think most people were watching Bellator and they definitely won the day out in terms of getting people to watch them. So that was a success in their part. But we must start again, Graham, as every time we talk about Bellator, we talk about how much of an absolute mess they, they are with their TV deals. And oh my God. Like, like so people. We, don't need, know. we need a meme of like a, a guy's speed getting ready to watch it down and watch Bellator, <laughs> a specific fight, and then having the popcorn and a drink ready, sitting down and being like. Okay, so no, it's on in six hours instead. Okay, <laughs> Scott Coker just knocks it out of your hand. Richie Smullen, let's go. Oh, six hours. Oh, okay. yeah. After the fight. <laughs> now, to, look. To be fair, Bellator, the one thing I will give him a bit of uh, a bit of space on is the delay because there was a medical emergency somewhere, and uh, like, what, so I think I I was explaining the situation in a little bit, but I'm putting a bit of kind of two and two together. It feels like the ambulance was on the way to Bellator, you know, because you need an ambulance. And then there was an accident. So the the, Bell- the Bellator ambulance had to go to this serious accident and it was late on the way to Bellator and then Bellator had to kind of hold up. That's kind of what happened, which is, it's very unfortunate. That's not Bellator's fault, fault and I'm definitely not blaming them for having to put on post limbs or anything like that. I think the biggest issue is you have Karen Moore, who's ranked number, I think, what is it, seven or eight in the world, against number five in the world. You have Richie Smullen fighting uh, Kizriev, who's ranked in the top ten in the world. And those are the two fights you decide, with another couple of fights, to put on the postlims. You put those fights on the postlims, and you leave fights like... Um, uh, Jordan Newman, who's six and all against Matthew Perry, five and four. You leave that there, but fair enough. Like you said, maybe the, 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 they weren't ready or whatever. But the Norbert fight, like Norbert, I, I love Norbert. We talk about him in a minute. Why was that not moved? Why was the Jaleel Willis Norm uh, Meta fight not moved? Why was the Rabs above Boost fight not moved? Why was the Colgan Emmanuel Sanchez fight not moved? You have the guy, guys who are close to a title shot, ranked guys, and you're putting them after the card. It just it just made very little sense in my opinion now maybe maybe it was a timing thing and maybe they couldn't avoid it but whatever it was it happened well you know they did end the prelims really early after starting it late as well yeah that was bizarre I don't know if we can like if they had rushed through them and you know they had all been decisions and it just had worked out like that then it makes sense but uh, it seems like they could have at least fit one or two more fights in if they had if they had a push instead of doing like the promos for as long and get get the walkouts moving a bit. We've seen shows speed up before in in cases where you know time is lost or or there's uh, some kind of delay. Obviously, this was a big delay, but yeah, it is last second decision making and all that stuff. And um, I don't know, maybe certain matchups they thought were at the last, in in that moment of selecting the the matches to move. They obviously selected other ones. Uh, maybe we're a bit biased, wanting to see. You know Richie Smullen, but the Carl Moore one, is like, as you one. said, is a rank, yeah. like yeah, Carl Moore one is a ranked guy against a ranked guy, and you know Carl Moore's coming off big wins, and 
you know, these big guys are, when you're a big guy like Carl Moore and, uh, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of drag the, the casual eye in a bit more than, than the smaller guys as well. So, yeah, that's a bit of a strange decision there. But, yeah, um, at least they put the, the YouTube streamed uh, available to Ireland <laughs> yeah. so that people could just throw it on, throw it on and made, made it a bit easier in that way. So, they in fairness, they did try to kind of accommodate it a little bit. And I'm going to take all the credit in the world for that, like, because, like, I, I my complaining got that done. <laughs> but before, like, I, I actually think, like, it was very tough what happened to them. Like, I, I'm not actually not even giving out about them that much. It was just... It was just a very bad situation, and it, it. I don't think it was dealt with great, but you know there are probably situations where they had to move it uh, that way. I think, as you said, the twenty-eight minutes of dead air in the middle of all of it, like the solution there really, and they've done this in Dublin before, and actually they've done it pretty well. Is like have one bout as the swing bout, like whichever one of the bouts I name there is the swing bout, and then have the the Carl Moore Polizzi fight as the headliner of your uh, your prelims, and just do it that way. Like okay, move the Richie Smith fight, move, but that fight should have been there. It was it was whack that that fight was uh, was moved and wasn't the first one that should have been there considering it was two ranked guys uh, in it whack <laughs> I know I didn't I didn't know another word I just, there you go my the biggest issue though was like I had maybe at least how many let me think five or six uh, SBG lads uh, DM me like here Sean where can I watch the prelims before the fights have been cancelled and like the what was so, so what was the answer right okay the first answer was it's on it's broadcast live on Virgin Media More and I was told the other day by someone like that oh Virgin Media More is now available to everyone uh, all around Ireland on this uh, Virgin Media Anywhere app so I went and I tried on computers on fucking on phones everywhere I think you need I, to have you need to have a version you do subscription you and do. you can't get that in certain parts of the country no is that right? you, you absolutely can't and even people like uh, most of the lads I was talking to obviously were living in Dublin uh, and they didn't have it like so the vast majority of people cannot watch it like the seven people that can that have Virgin Media more and can watch it it's absolutely fine for them no problem but the vast majority of people don't have it don't know how to access it right so after that they used to put them on YouTube now they don't put them on YouTube anymore they used to put them on Canadian YouTube so that was grand we could go there and watch them so I ended up having to, to watch it with a VPN uh, in America I was just lucky that it was on America I don't think last week or two whenever the, the last event was actually on on YouTube in America and then fair enough the, the main card was on Virgin Media too but then um if it's not a big card, uh, it's not going to be on Virgin Media Two. It's going to be on Virgin Media Sports. So then you have to find another yeah, and way. As I said, if you, if if you recorded it like I did, uh, and you go back to try and watch it, in yeah. the main event, most of it is cut off. Like you know, two end of the second round, it's the end. I thought like I'd hit the remote by mistake or something, went back, and I was like, no, it's the end. Yeah, that's just come on. Like, it's come on. Uh, we've like spent years giving out about Bellator, and the fact that it's still. It still is just this way. It's like really disheartening. But and like, even even if even if the app was available worldwide or or countrywide, you know it's so much easier to have it on YouTube. You can go on. Most people have Sky Digital. You can go on Sky, hit the YouTube uh, app, uh, yeah. open it up on your on your TV, and there there you go. Like you know what I mean? It's just so much easier. But yeah, Virgin, you know, don't even want to show it on their one of their TV stations when they have nothing else on at, yeah. at this hour anyway. So it, I don't know. It's just a mess. I, I like I, I think I blame Virgin nearly as much as Bellator, but Bellator getting into this deal. Like the thing about it, Bellator didn't even know this until I told them like a couple of months ago. So yeah, but like Virgin's like you have a fan base of people there that'll actually watch these shows. Why are you not putting it on TV so people can actually watch it? 
It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It, it feels like a while since we've had. I think we've had one Bellator TV rant there a, a few months ago, and it's been a good while since. But yeah, it was it was like the old days <laughs> again on on Friday night. We'd be like, "How do I watch Bellator? Where's give me the dodgy stream and all this?" That's uh, cracked. But then, like you see, when they did put it on YouTube, then afterwards there was a lot of people watching it, like people getting up in the morning and putting on their clocks so they can actually watch it. Like do that, you know, do that. Even if you're Virgin Media, grow your YouTube by putting the Irish fighters on it, like. That'd be absolutely massive. But anyway, they didn't. Yeah, like the Irish fan base, obviously, Bellator have been good to them. The Irish fan base have been good back to Bellator and not knowing exactly when the fight's going to be on after you were told a certain time and all that stuff just, you know, it's going to piss people off. I saw people replying on Twitter being like, God, this is just, I'm I'm just, I give in. Like, I'm not, I'm not staying up. I'll catch it. I'll catch it again on like, you know, in the morning on like Reddit or whatever. Like people aren't, people are getting fed up. Like people don't want to stay up till, Till, like people are ready to watch it at 11 they don't want to stay up till 6 to watch it they've planned around this you know they're, maybe they have a mate or two over to watch it you know it's just it's just not ideal and obviously yeah. you know the emergency and all if it was the first time this has happened or if it was a rare thing but as you said we've talked about this over the years and the many problems and even when they when the Bellator tweet out or put out on social media, they put out the the regions and how to watch. There's loads of regions missing, and it's hard to find. And there's always people from all over the place trying to figure out uh, how to watch how to watch Bellator. So, yeah, for such a big for a, a company owned or a, a business owned by such a big company, you think these little things will be will be an easy fix? Yeah, and when they put out where to watch in Ireland, they just put Virgin Media. It's like. That literally could be fucking one of about twelve channels. <laughs> oh, what's that? What's Virgin Media? Anyway, anyway, we'll 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 stop giving out about it. But I feel like everyone listening to this, if they're from Ireland, probably is like fair play to you giving out about because we we're giving out about it too because it's it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, now that we I suppose we started talking about Smullen and and more, we might as well talk about them first. And I'm very interested in talking about especially Patricia versus uh, Pettis fight, but also the Romero fight because they were very very interesting. But on the Irish lads first, look, there were two pretty simple fights if, if we're being honest um, I, I'll just run through them both quickly and then we can we can talk about them the Richie Smolin fight uh, Kazriev I suppose was I wouldn't say dominant from the start but you could, you knew he was winning it from the start landed five right hands to start off uh, Smolin uh, made it a battle after that he did a good job he pulled guard a few times tough big chin on him <laughs> he took a lot of shots Kazriev landed a lot definitely won the first round the second round they kind of exchanged more in the second round and Kizriev was winning it, but Richie was doing all right as well. Landed a lovely right, hard right hand at one stage, but Kizriev got the takedown. Uh, Richie was very busy off his back trying to land was. elbows, trying to make it difficult as well. You know, he did, even mm. when he was on his back in, in, in compromising positions, he like, you know, he just makes it difficult the whole time. And back to the first round, even, you know, at one stage, it looked like it could be an early night, but Richie just, you know, he's he's just so hard nosed and 100%. he just made it a scrap and he and he really really made a I don't know how to pronounce his name his Hizriev his his is it his work for for his victory and you know that's the first time he's had to go to a decision and uh, thirteen thirteen and oh so yeah he, he definitely you know he's he's never an easy night but as we said kind of going into this this fight on last week's podcast it was a pretty difficult matchup for for Richie. Yeah, I think if his Rev wasn't really good and had any been a panic in him or anything, 
coming into the late in that second or in the third round, he could have, you know, tired because of panic and ended up like, I can't get this guy out of here. I can't get this guy out of here and ended up losing. But he's not. He's a very, very good fighter. And that that didn't happen. You even see, like, I think the second round was their key here because when he did get on top, he spent three and a half, four minutes on top. And not much was landed, but neither of them could do much. And I think taking away just a bit of a battle for a few minutes really helped his rehab there. Uh, he got into side control as well. He was able to land a few shots, but started the third, it was big exchanges. Uh, but Kizriev, you could see it. He was just landing harder. Uh, Smolin landed a f- nice few knees in the clinch, uh, but the right hands from Kizriev were just a little bit too much, I thought, in the, to, to win it or not in terms of finishing the fight or anything like that. But Smolin, just so game. Like I wrote it down in my notes here, just so game. But there was a takedown with 90 seconds left, and that was kind near the end of it then his rehab was able to to stay on top and he he, uh, he won all three rounds so there was no uh, he, threw a little, he threw a little headbutt in there at the end and uh, Richie yeah, sure. well kinda, he did yeah it was a bit like Jesus mate <laughs> what's that about no need for it you, know, you, sure. just, you just won all three you just won all three <laughs> rounds and you're just yeah. throwing the head in at the end it's a bit I don't know, I'd, say, a bit I'd, say, I'd say Richie's well used to the few headbutts <laughs> come on Ron but yeah like are you yeah, but like sometimes you see that like after animosity or trash yeah. talk or like a kind of maybe a, a perceived dirty fight where there's been eye pokes or no shots but there was none of that that was a bit that was a bit odd but uh, it kind of all fizzled out the way Richie kind of just I think gave him, gave him a hug while they're on the, on the ground and yeah. Yeah, but that was that was that, that was odd. You know, when you've when you've won convincingly, there's no need for that stuff. Yeah, I, and I think like yeah, that's true. I would agree with that. But Richie did exactly what you want to do out of a fighter who was kind of clearly bested if you want to put it that way he never gave up for one second he tried and obviously look we're looking at this from a very Irish point of view here all credit to Kids Rio. I just said he you know he, he bested him for the whole fight and he absolutely did but Swan didn't give up for one second he was game until the very very end and you know that'll stand to you when you're fighting someone who maybe isn't of the standard of his Rio and you can put those improvements yourself but this is a fight as well you will it will bring you on I suppose and it'll give you plenty to look at when you're coming back uh, after it I suppose but yeah his rave like they were talking about him versus Mads Burnell I like that fight a lot so yeah maybe that's one they could make don't put in Ireland don't put in Ireland but yeah let's make that fight um and then I, I, I'd say Richie like will he be back in three months I, I would be surprised if he wasn't to be honest he'd be good to have on the um on the Dublin card as well um the Carl Moore fight then God almighty, this first round again, Carl Moore just looks so good with his striking. It reminded me, and, and, and do you know, it, it reminded me of the um, Al Brexton fight that I was actually, I was obviously at live, but sometimes when you're at a fight live, you kind of, you're taken away by it a little bit more and you're like, oh, he's hitting him, he's hitting him, he's hitting him. And even like Carl himself in the interview afterwards was like, ah, oh, cheers, I don't know, was I hitting him that much kind of thing? And maybe it's different on TV, but this was the one on TV you're looking at and like, Jesus, he's hitting him, he's hitting him. And like, Palizzi, every time he got hit, I thought his knees were going to buckle. He's like, it looked Especially like with that straight left, the straight left, the whole he had time. No answer for it. Yeah, just the whole time. It looked like one of those fights where he'd be dropped by the straight left and then Carla hit him one uppercut and that'd be it. You know, like an offhand Sam Pru finish or something like that. He'd just be buckled against the cage. But Palizzi has some chin on him, an unbelievable chin. Like the only glove he really laid on him in the first round was that nasty eye puck and it looked really bad. Like I when Carl came like back up for air, if you want to put it that way, after the the initial poke, 
I was like, oh shit, this fight's over. Like that was genuinely, genuinely my first thought because I, it looked pretty bad, but he kind of shook it out, got his eye open. You could see it looked very sore, and he just kept fighting. Like there was no, <laughs> there was no stopping in Carl there, and uh, in the end, it turned out to be right because he got the he got the win out of it. But um, yeah, there was a late takedown in there as well. Second round in. Much closer, but not until Carl uh, had the best of it at the start, I suppose. There was a back and forth, but Carl was still landing the the harder shots. Uh, Polizzi kept trying to grapple and grapple and grapple and grapple, and eventually he did get it towards the end, did get on top, landed a bit of ground and pound, but I didn't think it was enough. Honestly, I, I just leaned to Carl, and so did all the judges as well. So um, yeah, I, I like I thought it was pretty clear to be honest. I think yeah. if if the shot shot or the, if the shots uh, I don't say Sean landed uh, the shots Carl landed at the end of the round or at the start of the round had happened at the end of the round. I think yeah, there wouldn't have been any kind of oh that was that was razor close or anything like that. I think I think it was the the, the ground and pound was decent, but the, the the very impactful shots were that were those straight left and the the shots at the start of the round. One thing I will say about about Carl's performance, he looked, you know, obviously he'd been out for a while and injuries and all that stuff before the Carl Albertson fight, and he he obviously has been winning since then. But his timing looked looked straight away, Very and his sharp. range looked looked yeah. much sharper, you know. And that's obviously, you know, you can you can spar and you can train, but it's not the same as being being in the cage and. You know, it bodes well for getting back into his flow. He looked really good. Obviously, there's things to go back and work on. You'll probably go on to talk about the third round now, where um, a round that I thought he lost, and that I think the judges both thought he lost. So maybe you know, um, I thought he kind of engaged in the in the grappling or in the uh, wrestling takedowns a little bit too much. He should have just sprawled out, but he was kind of more willing to engage and he made a couple of mistakes in the third round where he went for the back uh, trying to take the back and kind of fell off the top or was a bit rushed in, in it like that but you know obviously um, it kind of, kind of he's a big man you know he's carrying a lot of weight so he obviously got tired in that round but as you go up against the very top guys you know you're going to have to make sure that, that you're that you're ready for that and that you, you don't um, you don't uh, gas out or not gas he didn't gas out but he, he got noticeably tired uh, in the third round as well I thought, I wouldn't say he got tired. I actually thought he looked pretty good the whole way through. What I think was the biggest part to that was, I, I, and I agree when you said, like, maybe too willing to grapple a little bit. Like, there was a few times where Polizzi, it's it just, like, I was getting the arm bar to be ready, kind of. <laughs> you know, the arm was sticking out, and Carol, Carol, like, took his back and was, like, almost getting, like, an inverted triangle a couple of times and ended up slipping off maybe three times. And when that happens... That can be kind of a big turning point in fights sometimes because like, oh, this guy's almost going to get finished up and next thing he's on top, like in second or, or in uh, half guard or in, yeah. well, or in you're, guard. You know, the, the opponent is two rounds down and there's a massive guy on top of him. Yeah. You know, the time is running out. He's probably thinking, oh, my, my chance is gone. And then he's looking for the opportunity for, for you to try and transition to, to spring up. You yeah, know, Charles, uh, Carl used it himself. So he he waited for uh, Alex to try and pass in the mount, and when he did, he used the, his feet off the cage to reverse the position. So, like, yeah, it's 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 a it's a difficult one. But for Carl, I think you know, if he just disengages or just sprawls out of them, he has he has probably a thirty twenty seven there. I I think yeah, that's probably fair. But also, like, he was winning most of those grappling exchanges. It was until. The problem with that, and I think the point you're kind of making is the problem is that you 
have those exchanges and didn't you land in that one bad position which you did maybe what 90 seconds two minutes to go and then you give your opponent you know the ability to win the round so even though you're winning up until that point it's just the the transitions really that you're winning and when the transitions in then someone gets the position if you were the one who gets the position and you submit them or you get on top and you, you land a lot of shots all well and good but if it's your opponent you give them you know the ability to to draw back around or to maybe finish the fight when you know you could have been standing and just straight lefting him into oblivion like you did in the first two rounds but yeah there wasn't the point in that third round where it looked like Polizzi was going to get the finish anyway though like it was like can he draw back the round kind of and he did and I think he did win it but yeah it was it's a pretty but you know as you go on to people like the Corey Andersons or the Phil Davis who were fighting that night you know they're they will make it if you make a mistake like that they will make you pay for it and uh, more and you know Carl Moore obviously it's a phenomenal performance. It's a great win against a ranked guy, a tough guy, all of that stuff. Like, but we, I think we know how good Carmore is and can be. So we're kind of putting him on. We're judging him from a higher, a higher uh, level than maybe maybe some other guys that we talk about. So, you know, obviously a phenomenal performance, a great win, like dominant. He had it in the bag going into the third round. So you know, maybe he would have fought differently if if he didn't. You know, maybe he he would have had a more urgency to to keep it on the feet. Maybe he wanted to kind of, you know. Uh, but it's getting himself. it's getting better and better every fight with Carl, isn't it? Since he came back, like I remember not too long ago, we were kind of saying, "Oh, was he going to win the comeback fight?" We haven't seen him in such a long time, and then he did. And then the next fight was better. The next fight was better. Now this fight is better again. And that's what's he going to look like the next time? Like I'm expecting a massive performance out of him the next time. Like if he can put let's say two rounds together like the first two rounds here if he can put another round with that maybe maybe you know maybe it's a five rounder next time and he fights at uh, he's forced to fight at a slower pace because it is five rounds I, do you know what I really think that could suit him I think a five rounder could suit Karen Moore and that's a dangerous prospect for other lads there like I, I honestly and you know people you can call this Irish bias or whatever you want right but he is he should be the next contender at light heavyweight because if you think about it right we'll get on to the oil and nimkov fight in in a few minutes they fought last night uh cory anderson has already lost to, to nimkov he won last night against phil davis who just lost the other two people there are um grant neal and polizzi who are, are ahead of uh, more at the moment but won't be maybe by the time this comes out um polizzi obviously more just beat him and then grant neal um lost to polizzi three fights ago so like Carl is on a what a four or five win streak now. He just beat the number five guy in in the world after beating the number what seven or eight guy in the world a couple of fights ago. Like uh, I don't think there's I don't think you could argue that he is not the next guy in line. Like I, I there's no one else. There really isn't. I, I I just don't see Bellator doing that. I just I yeah, just that's true. That's true. Yeah, I see them doing like a. Uh, the highest level fight that they're going to possibly give him, I think, is a is a Phil Davis or a Corey Anderson. You know, hopefully a Corey Anderson. But yeah, I just think who are they going to give Nimkov seem... in? Like, what are they going to do with Nimkov? Yeah, I I don't know. I I just the way the the local guys or the regional guys have been matched. I I just don't see it happen. I see if they were positioning him, if they were positioning Carl for uh, you know a title shot, they wouldn't have had him as a post limb or scheduled as a prelim, kind of in the middle of a card. I just don't. He doesn't seem to me to be on a track where they're trying to position him for for Nemkov anyway. And do you know what? I need to make a TikTok. Of the, the Bellator rankings and explain why Carl Moore deserves uh, pleasure. Maybe like me again after that if I, <laughs> if I do 
Maybe, maybe. I, I, think it's, I think it's me he doesn't like, or is it Andy, or is it both of us? He mixed you up I think he's a confused was... about who's who, and who said what. Even though like, the... Me too, so I can barely remember. So. Yeah, sure, Grant. Um, but yeah, we. I don't think anyone's been shouting about Carl Moore being good for longer than us, to be fair now, and he is good, and he, he deserves it, so fair play. And uh, yeah, hopefully that title shall be in, and in Dublin, and uh, we'll all be able to go and watch it, so it'll be absolutely class. Right, let's talk about, uh, speaking of title shots and speaking of light heavyweight title shots, we'll start with that one because I want to get delve a little bit further into Pettis Patricia because I love that fucking fight. Uh, Nimkov and Yoel, <laughs> it was not a classic, Graham. Uh, you've heard the media cut off some of the fight for you and I think you're probably better off, <laughs> to be honest, because, yeah, not a classic, not a classic. Um, Nimkov realised in the second round that this fight was going to be easy and that's, a weird thing to say when you're fighting Yoel Mira because he came out in the first round and I, I like I uh, said a couple of times last week on my previews and stuff like what approach is he going to take there's kind of two approaches you can take the Adesanya approach or the Whitaker approach the Adesanya where you kind of look at him and poke him and don't do anything or the Whitaker approach <clears throat> where you pressure and force uh, Yoel not to get into a rhythm and he took that Whitaker approach in the first round pressure shot regularly from that pressure, hard kicks, uh, and Yoel just landed nothing. But in the second round, he just started picking his shots more. Like, he was literally just fighting like Nimkov fights rather than what, uh, how, how Whitaker fights. And Yoel was just standing, landing, nodding. Um, uh, Nimkov didn't need the pressure, so he wasn't giving Yoel the ability to land at all. Um, a little bit more pressure again than late in the round, but it was just all him all him again and the third Yoel was hurt badly and then he started playing around and it started the fourth as well messing and floating around while Nimkov was just smashing him he started jabbing him up in the fourth Yoel's eyes started closing Yoel the two shots he landed late in the fourth round when I was like the, the towel should be coming in here but I think maybe I don't think maybe Yoel kind of realised that and he didn't want it to be stopped at the end of the fourth, so he landed two late shots. But in the fifth, Yoel was pressuring early, but Nimkov was just picking him off. Yoel got a takedown in the last minute. Uh, Nimkov held on. Yoel was landing a few shots, and not much. I, I think the judges did give him the fifth round. I didn't personally. I thought there was a 10 8 uh, in the third, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but anyway, 4 1, 5 0 uh, fight. Pretty simple. Um, Yoel. Like, people said Yoel looked old here. Do you know what I thought Yoel looked? I thought he looked heavy more than anything else. I feel like when you're that, you know, when you're as old as Yoel and you what you are is a speed and, and ad- athlete is what you are, like, carrying that extra 20 pounds of weight on you, or, you know, yeah, 20 pounds of weight, is, is just an yeah, awful lot. explosive moments aren't as explosive yeah. if, you're, if you're carrying more weight. It just didn't come, did they? Yeah, and in fairness to Nemkov, though he did, as you said, he never really gave him a chance. And you know, we've seen we've seen guys kind of be doing well against Joe Romero, and it can all, it can all turn in in a minute, and it can all turn in one second with the, with the amount of power he has and the way he can pounce. But yeah, Nemkov, you know, he's really putting it together now. You know, in fairness, like it's easy to look at Joe Romero side of things, but he's definitely you know getting on in age. But he's he's a freak athlete, and you've always got to be wary of of his counter and. Nemkov just stuck to his game plan and just picked him apart. And as you said, it, it, it was a brilliant performance by him and, and, you know, probably the signature win of his career so far, even though maybe it was one of the, the easier wins yeah. that he's had in, in a long time. Yeah, it, re- it really was. There there was very little that came from Yoel, to be honest. And it's disappointing because you look at, like, the way Nemkov fights, 
I thought there would be openings for UL. Now, I was picking Nimkov coming in, but not with any great assurity, and especially at the price. But, yeah, he just wasn't able to get anything off at all. Like, if UL is continuing to fight, I think he'd be better off going back down to uh, back down to 185. But, um, yeah, like, you, if you're a Bellator as well now, I think you use UL Romero on more showcase fighters. If you can, showcase fights, if you can get, in, get him in there against someone... Uh, you know, someone phone or, like I say, go down to one eighty five. Even put him up the heavyweight, maybe and put him in against you know someone up there, someone phone. Like I could see that happening as well. But yeah, um, I think this is probably the last. Your belly, Romero. Yeah, it, it's his last hurrah at the very top level. I think for you, Ellen, it's been you know it's been some career, but um, not not a cl- again. You feel sorry for Bellator, to be honest, because they put on these good fights and they're very rarely. I don't know why. It's just bad luck. They don't turn into classics in the main events. Now, I think almost everyone would agree that the the Patricio versus Pettis fight should have been the main event, um, and that was a much better fight, but still just just as dominant. Um, but yeah, it's. It was a tough, a tough night again for Bellator in terms of the the main well, event. Not, not, just, being not, great. not just as dominant, not quite as dominant. Not quite as dominant. No, not quite as dominant. Right, let's talk about that fight. And God, I'm, I love this fight. I really, really do love it. For first of all, before we get into the fight, just on Patricio himself and how he looked. Like the the big talk coming in was how is he going to look on the scale and how is he going to get down to one thirty five. Obviously, if you don't follow Bellator much, Patricio Pitbull Ferreira was the lightweight champion at one hundred and fifty five pounds and the featherweight champion at one hundred and forty five pounds. He was going for history here down at one hundred and thirty five pounds. Uh, so obviously, getting down to that weight is going to be an issue. Uh, but he, it, it wasn't. He looked very very good on the scale. He looked very good the day before. But I. Sp- I was thinking this and then a couple of people said it to me. It's almost like he looked too good. And what I mean by that is a few fighters have done it before where, you know, two weeks before the fight they're 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 going to a new weight class and they're tweeting out, Oh, I made you know, I made one seventy, made one thirty five, made one forty five, or I'm two pounds off or something like that. And you're thinking, Well, like, the people who are best at that weight are not doing that. You know, you're you're so worried about making the weight, you actually like drain all the muscle out of your body, and you're at that weight. It's all, it almost becomes your walk around weight. Now, I'm sure it wasn't necessarily that, and he did cut weight and stuff, but he, I, they showed a picture or um, a highlight of him, obviously in one of his previous fights, and I I believe it's a one forty five pound fight. And it wasn't even a one fifty five pound fight. Uh, I think it was the the AJ McKee fight, and he looked, you know, he looked. Swole, not necessarily swole, but swole, swole enough for for uh, Patricio, and then he walked out here, obviously after rehydrating and all of that, and he didn't look like he put back on enough weight. If you get me, like he, I, I would love to know what he weighed going into the cage, because like you would, you would say that how much does he weigh when he's at a one forty five pound uh, fight? Probably like one. 160 maybe, maybe 158, maybe 157. How much does he weigh at a 155 pound fight? Probably around, this, probably around the same. You know, I would say probably around the same, maybe a little bit more. Like, I would be surprised here if he was over 145. Um, and I don't I don't even think it was that much, to be honest. Because he just looked a little bit smaller than he normally looks. And of course, he's going to look smaller. But like, usually when you cut down in weight, the advantage is that you're going to be, you know, the bigger, stronger man with the power. But he he was noticeably smaller than Sergio Pettis, who had fought at 125 pounds before. And not even height-wise, but like physical size-wise as well. And as good as he did look on the scale, as good as he did look beforehand, 
it just didn't seem right. Like, uh, and I'll throw it over to you, Graham, but I know you've been there for weight cuts and things before, but I've seen people, other people saying, like, you know, you need a bit of a weight cut or you need a bit of, you know, struggle to get down there to feel normal. It, fe- it feels like it was almost too easy for Patricio. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, you could be right that he kind of overshot it, being being worried about him, making sure he doesn't end up with too many kilos to cut uh, right before in water weight. But to me, when he was walking out, he, I actually thought he looked good on the scale. And I thought, oh, when he rehydrates you, he, he'll probably look great. But then when he came out, his I noticed straight away that he had really kind of protruding veins in his arms, which is usually, I think, when you're dehydrated. But may, I don't know, maybe it was just his body's not used to, cut, to cutting down that much or he maybe the, the rehydration didn't go as well as uh, as usual. Maybe he couldn't, you know, maybe because he cut that extra weight, his body wasn't taking the, the fluids and the, the, the rehydration in as as well or something. I don't know what was going on, but I was... It definitely looked like the case of getting it off was fine, but getting it back on was not fine. That's all yeah. I felt. Yeah, yeah, I definitely noticed about, uh, about his veins, but that kind of quickly... The veins in his arms that kind of, but that kind of quickly went out of my head when he kind of got off to a to a good start in 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 the fight. So, you know, is it is it that this played a huge part in the fight? This kind of being down at one thirty five for the first time, I, I definitely think it played some part, but I don't know how big. I think it was more Pettis's kind of ability to you know to to take over the fight and to adjust that 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 one for him. So I, I yeah. think. You know, focusing too much on the, he, I think if he looked, so, if he looked really terrible and, and like completely faded and just looked like he was winning, and then it just fell off a cliff, then I'd be more kind of inclined to to think that was a huge factor. But I, I definitely think it was some factor. You know, going down to weight class he'd never been at before at, at this stage of your career, and you know, uh, as you said, probably would have been ideal to would have been you know better to have a test cut or to have a fight at that weight before, but. You know, he's trying to make history. He's trying to become the first three-way champion, like fair play to him, taking a chance and all that stuff. But, yeah, I think um, the product should go to Pettis because I think, you know, Sergio Pettis, when he first came into the, the UFC, I think it was, uh, there was a lot of hype because, oh, he's Anthony Pettis' brother and all that stuff. But it was it was too early for him. You know, he, yeah. he was still developing. He wasn't really even sure what weight class he was and all this stuff. And uh, he was still developing and, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like, we don't want these guys rushed. We don't want these guys signed too early. It's not because we don't want them to have the opportunities. It's because sometimes, you know, it's better for their long term career that they that they don't get put in the deep end too early. And I think with with Anthony or with Sergio Pettis, you know, if he had to come into the UFC a couple of years later, it might have been a different story where he'd be still in there challenging for you know title contention and things like that in the UFC. But he's doing phenomenal in in Bellator, and you know, that's a massive win for him over over uh, Pitbull and. A phenomenal performance, really a phenomenal performance. He yeah. he he made it look easy as the as the rounds went on. A hundred percent. And and like if you had to tell me that, I thought like if if he was yeah. going to win this, he was going to win razor razor close rounds, and he he just you know he really showed a touch of class. It was brilliant. Just the 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 final point on the the weight cutting. When I why I think it played such a factor is I think the single biggest factor in this fight, and we I'll go through the rounds in a second, was Sergio Pettis's speed. But I think a massive factor as well was uh, Patricia's inability to bring the power down with him, and I think him not being as sturdy was a big part of the reason why he couldn't hit as hard. Like, his way of winning this fight, and his way of winning most fights, is what he did in the first round, and what he tried to do throughout big portions of this fight is, you plod and plod him, and I, when I say plod, that's definitely not a, a negative, that's just the way he is. 
and you land a big shot. You you stop your opponent in their tracks and you stop them doing what they are doing well because of that power. And there wasn't one ounce of that, not like not even a hint of that throughout this fight. I think that was a massive factor. But it's funny because this the way this fight started, it was very much you said it there, he had a great first round. And it wasn't that he had a great first round, he had a great first round in terms of the tactics of the fight, because the fight was completely fought at Patricio's pace, that plodding pace I thought about. They were both kind of looking at each other, landing the odd shot. I thought Sergio landed a little bit more, but Patricio probably landed a little bit harder. There was a takedown late, which helped got him, you know, a few a uh, few punches and stuff like that. A very close round, but I was thinking at that point, oh, this he is going to be perfect. Sold around with a But I was thinking at that point, right, Sergio's doing very well, right? But can he continue to do very well when it's completely Patricio's uh, fight? But then Sergio just turned it up. And I think the, the most important shot of this whole fight was the left hook that Sergio landed at the start of the second round. It was a beautiful little shot. And you could see it hurt Patricio. Um... And then after, from that point on, he, he kind of just dominated the fight. He was winning well. Um, Patricio, towards the end of the second round, he started throwing, landed a few, but Pettis came back well again. Um, he failed to take down late to Patricio, and then the massive wheel kick came that staggered him, which was actually, you know, I take it back, that was probably the biggest uh, shot of the fight, but uh, maybe it still wasn't the most important. I think that left hook was. And, like, you could see then, okay, Sergio is faster than him. He's winning where Patricio wants to fight and now he's after staggering him and then in the third round it just went to a different level Pitbull was trying to be more aggressive which is not his game it just didn't work Pettis was landing combos just picking him off whereas Patricio it's not in his nature to land big combos uh, regular combos like can obviously land combos but he's like a one two three shot merchant whereas Sergio is a three shot three shot three shot three shot three shot type of merchant if you get me you know fighting southpaw a lot um uh, Patricia Pitbull's left eye was caught in the third, landed a right hand, but Pettis answered with three. And that was kind of the story of the fight in the mid part of a late takedown for Patricio, but that was no good. It didn't definitely didn't steal the round there. Patricia then went back to type in the fourth, waiting more, and Pettis was just touching him, just touching him and winning. Was Patricia wasn't able to land these big shots. He wasn't able to land anything big. Nothing happened in the first half of that fourth round, and then there was two failed takedowns from Patricia. A few good exchanges late. Patricia Pitbull was a little bit better, but then the Sergio switch kick and the front kick late on definitely sealed the round that I think he was winning anyway. Uh, fifth round, a lot closer than more punches. But a lot blocked as well. There was very good defense, I thought, at the first uh, half of the, the fifth round. Uh, Patricia was just trying an awful lot harder, but Sergio Pettis was just jabbing and moving and sticking and moving. Uh, Pettis didn't stun him with a right hand. Um, and uh, Patricia just couldn't land. He just could not land. And that was the end of the fight. And, and uh, Pettis won it. Uh, you, the first and the, the fifth were, were relatively close. You can uh, argue them. But I thought... Um, uh, Patricia won the first, the two, three, four, and five all went to uh, to Pettis, and it, that would have been a robbery. Now <laughs> that had gone the other way, but Jesus, a phenomenal performance from Sergio Pettis. As I said, like he won the speed game, 
He won the power game. He won the tactical game. He won the technical game. He just won it all. And like, yeah, he he won it so com- mm. kind of comprehensively that I doubt Pippo will be even kind of calling for the rematch. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd be like, ah, yeah, let me go back to my yeah. to my weight class here. Hundred percent. But it was, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And one pro- thing I had coming in was like, I I said speed was a major factor, but I didn't think Sergio was fast enough. In terms of like, he's not the fastest fighter in the world. He's more of a, a technical, technical fighter. But he, what, what true champions and what true class fighters show is their ability to switch things. And he switched and became more of a speed fighter in this. But as you said, Graham, he switched a few times during the fight as well. Because if you think about it, the way he fought in the first was very different to the way he fought uh, in the second. In terms of the first was kind of just. You know, fighting at Patricio's pace, landing the odd shot. The second was was fighting the faster game, was landing the power shots. Even then in the fourth, when he started jabbing him up and things, and, and in the fifth as well, he probably fought three or four different tactical fights in the one fight, having already changed his tactics on the way into the fight. God almighty, that's high-level stuff. High-level stuff. And I absolutely loved this fight. I, I, it was it was brilliant. And it was one of those ones where I love it because of such a phenomenal performance from Sergio Perez. And I have such respect for Patricio Pitbull that for someone to do that to him deserves high praise, and he absolutely did deserve high praise. So, yeah, him versus Patchy Mix next. That's a fucking fight because Patchy has improved an awful lot. And you're talking about size. Patchy is the biggest 135er out there. So it's, it's going to have to be a different game again from Sergio in that fight. And God, I can't wait. What's your, what's your early pick for that one, Graham? It's a fun fight. <laughs> You know, before this fight, I probably would have, probably would have leaned Me Patchy too. Mix, but <laughs> it's such a such a good performance. You know, but Patchy Mix has been making leaps uh, in in progress in between fights. Uh, every fight, fight, fight to fight. So I'd expect him to come in better as well. But yeah, um, I'd probably lean towards Sergio Pettis, but it's probably a recency bias of how good that performance was against you know such a respected guy in Pitbull. Yeah. I, I'm probably the same now I would respect the Sergio's performance I, I almost have to go uh, for him but god almighty that's a fight uh, I really want to see and you know now we know when we have that Let, let's have that in Dublin come on I want all these fights in Dublin let's do it <laughs> stack uh, every best <laughs> up. match if they could possibly make and stick it all in the Dublin card stack them up stack them up alright uh, I'll run through the rest of the card uh, pretty quickly here the aforementioned Corey Anderson Phil Davis fight if you're you're tuning in here, maybe you haven't seen the fight, you're probably thinking, ah, split decision again, another typical Phil Davis boring fight. It was a fucking brilliant fight, in my opinion. I loved brilliant it. Brilliant fight. Oh, I loved it. Maybe I was just positive this week. I don't know, but I thought the exchanges on the ground were brilliant. Like, Phil Davis is just impossible to hold down. And the way the two of them were moving, on the feet, not great. I, I'll be honest about that. But you yeah, Phil Davis on the feet, just he looked worse than usual. Yeah, he did. he did. Like, a lot worse. I don't know what was going on there. Maybe... Maybe he was hurt with something or had some kind of injury or something that was holding him back or that held him back from being sharp in, in sharpening in camp or whatever. But it, something looked off with, with Phil Davis on the feet, even though, you know, obviously he's he's not a great striker or anything, but usually he has his awkward ways and his kind of herky-jerky ways of, of landing more. I suppose that's a testament to Corey Anderson as well. You know, he's he showed that he wasn't afraid to wrestle with Phil Davis. And we've seen a lot of guys who who uh, are rightfully afraid to, to engage in the grappling with Phil Davis or kind of w- are foolhardy and thinking they can yeah. engage in the in the 
in the grappling round. But Corey Anderson, you know, he he's shown time and time again how well rounded he is. He may not be the most fancy or or anything like that, but you know, beating Phil Davis even by split decision is is no mean feat. Like we've seen, we've seen a lot of kind of you know hyped guys or guys who look like they're on their way to title shots and things like that uh, lose boring decisions to to Phil Davis and. Yeah, I think Bellator are probably happy enough that uh, the decision went to Corey Anderson in this one. Yeah, even though, you know, if you're Carl Moore, Corey Anderson just lost to Nimkov. We already talked about that, but uh, I don't think he's getting the next title shot, but we'll see. But uh, yeah, good fight. I, I liked it. Fight stick it. him in Yo Romero and Carl Moore in the stream card and go. Yeah, <laughs> get them all there. Uh, get them all. Get them all. Uh, speaking of uh, Bellator Dublin, <coughs> Gokem Sadicham, whose name I learned to pronounce correctly for the first time last night, uh, fought and beat uh, Bellator Derek Lewis. Daniel James just took him down and kind of beat him. Uh, Gadzi Rabadanov beat Peter Buisht. Big knockout for Ramazan Kodamagomedov, whose name I absolutely am brilliant at pronouncing. Uh, he won there. Um, I'll skip Your the next boy. one. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that in a second. Ooh. Archie Colgan got the decision over Emmanuel Sanchez. Great performance from him. Jordan Newman got the Americana submission. And Cody Law got the decision as well. And on the other uh, post-limbs, just first of all, Kyle Crutchmere beat Bobby Nash, knocked him out with hammer fists uh, in the first round. Mike Hamill got the majority decision over Samuel uh, Nikiev, who, uh, yeah, fell to 10 and 1, but should really be 10 and 2, and you can look into that one if you want. Uh, and then uh, Vladimir Guyev uh, beat uh, Gabriel Seig in a big, 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 bustling heavyweight fight. But on the undercards, again, Norbert Navinia Jr. destroyed Camille Onishuk uh, in 46 seconds. And uh, yeah, he is the. He's going to be the best middleweight in the world. I just, I, I, and like you, people probably saying Sean was forty six seconds, but I've watched plenty of him up until this, and I've never seen a fighter since since Habib, right? Since Habib, that I was just as certain of going to be a champion as him. Now, if they put him in against Eblen tomorrow, would he win? It'd be a tough fight, and he might lose. But if they put him in there in three years' time, is he going to win? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Like that. That's my. Uh, taught Norbert Navinia Jr. I think he's absolutely fucking brilliant. He can do it all. He can wrestle. He can strike. You know, and I feel, and I know John Cameron was giving me a bit of stick there on Twitter yesterday when I said I, I tried to tell you all, but it feels like people don't know about him, but they're probably starting to know now a little bit. Um, but this guy is different level. He truly is. Like, yeah, people don't know. I, I hope you listen to my interview. But, like, his father was a two-time Olympic... Or was a two-time... He was Olympic gold medalist wrestler anyway. And he trained Norbert when he was young. His father also was uh, a world champion in, in MMA, actually. Which I didn't know. And in kickboxing as well. Uh, but he's been training Norbert since he was young. And now he's over fighting in London shoot fighters. And he's only young, he's seven and oh, he's come through a lot in his life and a lot of injuries and all and yeah, he's he's going to be a tough one for anyone to be like Sean Denny was talking about Camille Onishuk last week in the Q&A and he was like, Jesus Sean, uh, this lad is pretty good, like he's a very good kickboxer, is it going to be that easy for Norbert? 46 seconds later and it was just out the door. Am I gone mad Graham? Am I, am I gone too far on Norbert? Are you, uh, are you on the, the bandwagon with me? Uh, no, I think if he if he's given the the correct fights and you know built up, he still is only young. What is he? Twenty two, twenty three, and he's he's just gone seven and zero. And and I know he's you know he's had knee injuries and things that things like that, big injuries that set him back. But as long as he keeps injury relatively injury major injury free and is is kind of 
built up. There's no there's no mad rush, you know. Um, I don't want it to turn into like an MVP situation where it's going on for ten years. But I think the next, you know, get them to ten and zero against you know not not just tee him up like you know as you said Camille is is no joke but just build him up gradually and you know take your time with him and maybe give him a few bigger spots on 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 a higher on the card and things that, or on at least on the main card or maybe in like a co-main event or or uh, close to the top of a big card and give him a sh- couple of showcase fights get people talking more and then then you can kind of escalate him up to the rankings a bit more, you know. You could probably you, you could probably put him in there with you know most of the top ten, he, and he'd probably have a good chance. And I might pick him in in most of those fights, but I don't think there's a need to rush him in there. He's such a talent. He's still young in, in the game. He's still he's still young in age. So uh, come back from an injury, he miss a bit of time and things like that. So yeah, I think as long as he's kind of matched right, I think yeah, he's going to be a he's going to be a very difficult uh, opponent to overcome for 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 you know anybody in that Bellator division at the moment. Indeed, indeed. Uh, right, let's talk a little bit about PFL. Um, uh, this PFL card, it was an interesting one because the massive problem for PFL here was, right, the, the co-main event, again, actually, funny enough, 46 seconds, Pacheco destroyed Lybrook, um, and I picked Lybrook coming in as my flyer of the week. Not a good pick by me. Hands up. That was Got not carried a away one. with the, the flyer of the week. Uh, five on her own. And, yeah, but I, I was watching. I was like, oh, geez, she's going to catch her. <laughs> I'm like, no, man, no, she's not. She's not going to catch her. But, uh, yeah, that was a destruction. Uh, and she's true, right? She's true on nine points, and the other the other three people true are Lybrook again. And I actually think she's fighting Lybrook again because Lybrook came through in third, so that's going to be a rematch. That's not going to be great. And then you've Mokatina versus Kaleshnik. Like Pacheco's just going to destroy the two of them. Like Pacheco's just going to walk this. And then in the heavyweights, so on this card you had Ante Delia against Maurice Green, right? Ante Delia, obviously, like, I think it was it was an injury or something happened. He wasn't able to have the first fight, so he needed one fight. I think someone said he'd only two minutes, 26 seconds to win. He ended up winning a decision against Murray Green. Uh, Green qualified fifth, so he didn't qualify for the playoffs. Uh, Delia was eighth and didn't qualify either. So the, the four people through are Golsov, Ferreira, Nunes, and Hederman. Now, that might set up a good uh, Herrera, Ferreira versus Golsov finale, but you'd have to think Golsov is just going to dominate that again. It, it, it's tough for PFL because the, the weight classes that were decimated by the drug test failures are kind of gone to the dogs. And now the ones that weren't, have kind of lost the ones you would nearly want to see there. Like, Ante Delia is gone. He's like, he's the guy you were lining up for Francis Ngannou, maybe. He's gone out of it. And uh, not so much at, at the women's uh, featherweight division. Pacheco is the one you get through. But you've lost out in Aspenad. You've lost out in Julia Budd. And Evelyn Martins, even, who was very good in our first fight, is gone as well. Yeah, it's a very unfortunate situation there for them. And like... Mm, it's is it a problem with their structure of the point system, the yeah. league point system to get into the bracket, or is it a case of there wasn't really enough talent in in these divisions to even have this tournament? Or they need to? Do you know what they need to do? Right, they need to put the first three people through, and they need then they need a wild card. 
So like race F up or something like that. And it's like Anthony Pettis is true on zero points or whatever, you know. No, but I'm just look. Ah, uh, it probably leads it, to farcical decisions. It, yeah, <laughs> true. It, it, look, it is a drawback, but also look, this is the way the cookie crumbles. Look, Liverpool finished fifth. They didn't qualify for the Champions League. I'm sure the Premier League. What about League seeding though? League. Like seeding in soccer. If you're, you're going to use the, the mm-hmm. soccer example, like when when the draw is made in the Champions League or whatever, like Real Madrid or the, or the in the pot one and they can't be drawn against you know Bayern Munich and Man City or whatever yeah but so. they, they kind of do that like even look at the Federweights like Loch Nan got Pineda the last time out he ended up getting knocked out and he isn't qualified either like you know but they had Rob Wilkinson against uh, Diego Santos you know I don't, I don't know I think yeah. I would maybe it's like restructuring of the maybe make it a full bracket like a longer bracket probably work better yeah. It was, he was like good if, if you go year. in there, like you have an easy matchup, you go in there, get a quick six. And you know, for example, if all these test fighters hadn't happened, uh, Rob Wilkinson could go in there and beat Santos by decision and then go in there and you know, he's supposed to fight Will Flurry, yeah, beat decision by Will Flurry and only on six points. And so, some other guy got six points against a squash match in the first round is on the same points. It's just a bit. It's it's not it's not yeah. great. And I think the person who gets the finish then actually gets the advantage. So that person would go through. Or maybe not if you've won two and one. I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, there are drawbacks to it. But it generally, I'm complaining about it. But I'm complaining about it because it didn't go well for him this year in terms of some of the people you would want to see through didn't get through. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. As I said, look, everyone apart from me and Man United fans would want to see Liverpool in the Champions League, the Premier League, the Champions League, Liverpool and all. But they're not. They didn't get enough points to get there and that's it. Look, go back and try again next year. And that's, you know, that's how it worked for Bill or uh, PFL. But yeah, but everybody plays the same teams the same amount of times and stuff, you know what I mean? There's no yeah. like, oh, Man City got to play Luton mm-hmm. Town and like, you know, Arsenal had to play Man United, you know. Very it's, true. It's not, yeah. But you can't, what can you do in MMA then? Like you, you are like, you, you'd you have just to have, have a draw, like have, have fucking frozen balls in a... Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the draw, yeah, in I like a, the draw. Go uh, spin them around. That'd have, be fun, let's have, do that. Yeah, have Fedor come out in a sweater and kick me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Anyway, uh, just to go through the rest of the card, uh, Hinn and Ferreira. Hinn and Ferreira knocked out Matthias Sheffield in the way Matthias Sheffield always gets knocked out early and then he just falls down. Like, it's like pro wrestling. And like, he, the fight last year, was it the Lilia fight, I think? Whatever fight he got knocked out in anyway. He's just, he's the f- weirdest fake fall that I've ever seen and it's not fake but like you know what I mean it's like I'm falling I'm gonna type of thing I don't know it, I've never seen anyone get knocked out the way Matthias Sheffield does and then he'll come back and he fucking beat Capitola over the cameras we could say with a goalkeeper making an unnecessary <laughs> yeah, unnecessary like, I just have to get knocked out lads uh, anyway Vajo Ali Walsh got a win as well the, the grandson of Muhammad Ali uh, Spilad got an uh, uh, Amber Amber it feels like it's a while since there's been an Amber but she did, didn't qualify. Uh, Golsov destroyed Jurgen Nakashiro. I think he was minus 1,200. Uh, and, and I was looking on the betting show and I was like, that's not enough. And then he knocked about in 18 seconds, which is, yeah, it probably should have been minus two or 3,000 here. This was such, like, this is the sort of fight I think that should not be allowed happen. Like, genuinely. That that that's a complete and utter mismatch of the highest order. That, I don't Like, if you're a commission, how do you allow that fight to happen? You have this like journeyman, rubbish journeyman, no offense to Jorgen Castro, against like one of the top 
20, 15 heavyweights in the world and then it's Galsov and he just goes out there and he destroys him. But anyway. Um, Mokatina beat Martins. Then I thought Martins was going to win it, but great win for Mokatina who's having a good season. Uh, Nunes beat Marquez. Bud beat uh, Jindrova. Kaleshnik beat Hizaki. Patrick Brady, knee injury against Hederman. And uh, there was a split decision in the opening fight with such saw Pynchon win there. Um, so yeah, uh, before we throw it over and look at the UFC, Graham, uh, there's, we'll just look ahead to a couple of uh, fights next week. Um, PFL, the sixth card, I'm just actually doing my preview for that at some stage, so I, I, this is my first time looking at it. Uh, Omar Mercier is fighting Anthony Romero, who I, I really don't know. I'll have to go and have a look at him. Sidabu uh, C is fighting Shane Mitchell. Shane Burgos is fighting uh, Nikasha. Uh, Stevie Reagan's K Collar. That's a pretty good fight. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, Megamed Megamed Karimov is back. He's fighting David Zavada. That's a good fight as well. Umalatov uh, also on the card. Nathan Schultz against Hausma Feu. Feels like that fight has happened about seven times in PFL. But anyway. Um, yeah, and there's some other good fights as well. Lots of fights on this one, but some good ones. Alex Martinez is back against Bruno Miranda. So yeah, I'll have a full preview for that out on, uh, on Sherdog. There's also a UFC card uh, next Saturday with a fucking banger of a fight between Josh Emmett and Ilya Tapuria. Um, I think Tapuria is going to bang him out of there, but Emmett bangs. When Emmett bangs, Emmett bangs as well. If he bangs Tapuria, he could bang him out of there, Graham. Who do you think is getting banged in this one? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, Tapuria probably get it done early, but if he doesn't, you know, Emmett will make it as difficult as possible but I, I just the style matchup is just very difficult here for Emmett I think I think he's an underrated guy and you know uh, I'd pick him against a lot of people but I think just stylistically it's probably going to be a short night for him here I think uh, Deporia will probably get it done in the first or second round by, by KO yeah I, I maybe maybe I, I would that's probably how I'd go as well maybe it'll go a bit longer but yeah I do fancy Deporia although this is a tough matchup Emmett can wrestle and he can hit you know, Taporia comes in there and he takes it lightly. It could be a bad night for him, but if he is on his game, I think he will win this. But great fight. Love that fight. Um, he and Macy Barber in, in the comment of Inter 125. It's a, it's a pretty good fight. Um, and on the rest of it, then the lads will have the preview, so they'll go through all, all the rest of it. Uh, like Ravs above coming over from PFL is back here for, I think, his second UFC fight. Um, Nicholas Dalby's always fun as well. There's always a, yeah, always a war. Blood and, and madness and all of that. He's on it. But uh, Neil Magny's on the card again as well against Philip Rowe. Now, we, we can bring this into another story from this week. RT reported Ian Gary is fighting uh, Jeff Neal. He called out Neil Magny, obviously, and that fight's going to happen at UFC 292. Jesus, that's a good fight for Ian Gary. When I heard that first, I was like, oh, shit, that is probably the easiest fight you're going to get in the top, what is what is it, top 10, top 15, um, on a big card, showcase, Jesus, I, I was delighted when I heard that, and I think it's a very winnable fight for, for Ian Gary. What, what did you think of that, Graham? Yeah, it's kind of exactly what I, what I kind of was saying to you on the podcast after his last fight, that you could kind of put him up there, but then against a Neil, Neil Magny type, but then if he wins that impressively, you're kind of, you're forced to put him in there kind of a little bit early, and he kind of said himself that he has a kind of, what was it, a five, a five or a six fight yeah, plan? Yeah, I'm not going to have him. You know, maybe that's a bit ambitious, but three or four at least will be will be great. And this is, you know, it's the opposite uh, of ambitious. What's what? It's what? What is the opposite? Of, a bit of pessimistic, I think. I think he's going to do it quicker than that. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. But I anyway, I um, you know, Neil Magny's obviously fighting around a, a similar time, and he, he can have that fight again. You know, if 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 all goes well here for, for him uh, against Jeff Neal, uh, it's another one where you know uh, he can kind of show. He hopefully, anyway, I'm expecting him to be able to showcase his his uh, his all round game. Maybe you know uh, get another nice finish for the for the highlight reel, and then maybe move into a to a Neil Magny or a Ponzinibbio type fight. Because, um, yeah, there, there is no rush. Like, you know, he's still learning. He says it himself in every interview. He's, he's over in, what's Sanford called again now? I keep forgetting what the Kill new name Cliff. for it is. Kill Cliff. Yeah, yeah. So he's over there, like, you know, learning with these with, with these guys. There's no rush. Like, I know all these guys think, um, and probably maybe a lot, of the, a, lot of the, a lot of the fighters at the top of the division he could beat, and he, he probably thinks he can beat them all, but developing getting better from fight uh, getting better from fight to fight like he ke- like he keeps doing building that hype you know the hype wasn't really had kind of fallen off a little bit and I think the, the last fight kind of reopened people's eyes and are, have them paying more attention to, to Ian and this will be hopefully another performance where, where people will um, you know come away thinking oh yeah this guy's one for the one for the future or future title contention <laughs> one for the future <laughs> one for the future <laughs> yeah sorry for future for future <laughs> title contention and I think you know uh, I think it's pretty maybe we're biased but it's it's pretty obvious to me that he's on the right track and that you know if he's matched if he's matched well we'll we'll see him in you know title contention or in title fights in the next two to three years but if they catapult him in too early that might that, that might not happen yeah I, I like let me just let me pull up the rankings here while we were having like I, I think you fight you fight Jeff Neal like and you're not that far away. Like you fight Jeff Neal and you're you're one fight away almost, it feels like. So Well you could do the Ponzinibbio Magni, one of the, somebody like that. Like, you know, yeah, he's like, still young in, in the game. Jeff Neal number eight in the rankings. You meet him, you probably go into it. And like Everyone above that, you fight Ra- uh, Wonderboy, you're talking about titles. You fight Rachmanov, you're talking about titles. You have Burns, Shimaev, Bilal, Colby, Usman. Like, any of them, you beat any of them, you're talking about being a number one contender. So, it's, like, it, let's say he fights Jeff Neal, he, mi- he might almost have to, f- like, it could be Wonderboy next. And that might give him another one, but he's the only one. Other than that, or like, you, know, have to go backwards. you could do a Chiesa or a Luke or yeah, even a Sean Brady. One hundred percent. But it feels like that should come before Jeff Neal nearly. But I, I need plan. Like I agree with this plan. I think this is a better plan. I said that. I said that from the start. Like, but yeah, if you're Ian's plan, you're you're getting ahead of yourself here because you, it should be Chiesa next, and then it should be Jeff Neal, and then it should be Wonderboy, and then it should be Bilal, and then it should be Covington, and then the title shot. But that seems like an awful lot to me. That's, I think that, do you know what? I think that plan, a little bit of rewriting, you know, a little bit of adjusting. Maybe instead of six, let's 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 move it to three. You you know, job done. Jobs are good and great. Three, like so he goes in there and hypothetically beats Jeff Neal. Yeah. Who do you do next after that? Wonder boy. You're not in Dublin. Okay, and then then you do then you do uh, no, that's two. Then you beat Covington. Title shot. Covington, that's a yeah. Bilal, I, I prefer like, I prefer to have a little bit more mm-hmm. ex- experience before putting him in there against Covington, just selfishly from an Irish perspective. Um, but who do you, who you, do you know, think it win right now, Ian Gary or Bilal Muhammad? Probably Bilal right now. You fucking traitor, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> probably like it probably be it'd be a close fight, but it'd be it's still like you know questions of on Ian Gary at the very top level. Like I I believe he can do it. Like but he still hasn't you know shown it. He's shown that he can he can blitz true true guys. You know he's shown that he's he's definitely one of the best prospects in, in the sport in my opinion. But if you put him in there right now, like if, you, if if on Saturday he was fighting Bilal Muhammad, oof, I don't know, I'd probably have to go with Bilal Muhammad. Like, uh, it looks like Shemayev is not going to be at one one seventy anymore, right? So like it'd be a five round fight. He'd be straight in there against yeah. Bilal Muhammad, presumably. Like that's yeah. He'd, I think, like, I think Jeff Neal is a good matchup to prefer for those sort of matchups, but uh, there could like his plan is probably good in that. Like another couple to prepare for those sort of matchups, but there isn't really like. Apart from Jeff Neal, who's like Jeff Neal is more of a puncher, like than, than a wrestler. He can wrestle, but like, like Chiesa is probably a good one. We, I know we mentioned him a few times. Like he's not the best wrestler per se in the world, but he's good jujitsu. You want to get the fight to the ground? That's a challenge, you know. Or Magni as well. You know, Ian said that himself. Like he, they, they'd be good preparations for them lads. And maybe you do still do that. Like maybe you take that step back in the rankings to fight those lads, uh, just to have a better preparation. You know, um, because. If you do go in against him, not saying he won't beat him or anything, I actually think he would beat him, but you're going in there like not prepared in terms of having fought that level of wrestler in a fight. Like he trains with fucking Usman, so he's training with better wrestlers than all of them lads, and he trains, you know, with uh, with um, uh, Shavkat, so he's tr- training with some of the best wrestlers in the world, and Gilbert Barnes as well, one of the best grapplers in the world. So there's no there's no problem there, but. Yeah, just to have the preparation done to get there in a past fight. But, like, saying that, then you go, like, the problem is you give me Kiesa, right? Kiesa's not going to take him down or trouble him with jiu-jitsu. Like, Ingari's just going to beat Kiesa up on the field, I think. So, like, yeah, is it even possible to get the, that test? But, like, does he need that test? Well, if do they were to do a Dublin card, you could kind of try and do a little bit of a showcase fight and give him a, a Kiesa or something like that. Like, yeah. you know... People wouldn't be, ah, oh, we don't want to see him fight Kiesa. People would be excited to have him back in Dublin, headlining the show, kind of be- becoming that main eventer. But yeah, I'm excited anyway. Isn't it mad? Like, it's brilliant that we have another Irish guy right up there. And like, it's not only one Irish guy. We just did this with fucking Carl Moore 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago, talking about like, oh, how are we going to get him to a title shot? It's not like, and like, there's no problem talking about people getting to the UFC or getting to here and there, but like, we've someone at the very top of the world now again on the verge of, of fucking a title shot on the verge of greatness. It's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And fair play to Ian and Carl and Leanne, Sinead and everyone else who was uh, who was doing it and giving us fucking something to talk about. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. But anyway, I'm gonna throw it over now to Sean Sheehan. To uh to talk about uh what happened in the UFC last night, I'm sure it was absolutely back, back to the future. Wonderful, back to the studio. Take it over, Sean. Thank you very much, Sean. Okay, let's get straight into it here at six twenty one a.m. <laughs> I need to get through this pretty quick. Uh, the main event: Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. Obviously, as well, the lads will have the the breakdown, the balance breakdown for you on Monday as well. So, or Tuesday, Tuesday. So. Uh, they would have a better breakdown of this than, than my tired head. But anyway, uh, the main event, Marvin uh, Vittori versus Jared Cannonier was a very good fight, to be honest, and especially for the first two rounds. Uh, Vittori came out guns a-blazing, landed a load of shots on Cannonier. Um, 
Cannoneer landed one hard one back in the first round, but you know it was it was relatively close to a ten. I think Wonder might have given it a ten. And actually, I I can check here as we go. Literally, the, the fights are just after in, and uh, but the second round was a bona fide ten eight. Um, but the other way around for Jared Cannoneer, he came out and devastated Vittori. Knocked him six ways to Sunday. <laughs> he was just landing shot after shot after shot. In the first round, the the, the commentary um, made a good job of explaining how changing the southpaw was a big issue for Cannoneer because Vittori kept ca- uh, catching him. Uh, but in the second round, he didn't switch as much, and he was the one catching Vittori. He was the one kind of getting there first, I think, more so than anything. And that was... I need to obviously watch it back, but that to me was the initial read watching. It was like whoever was first and kind of third was winning. You know, it was like the person who was trying to counter the uh, initial shot was kind of on the back foot all the time, apart from Vittori when he was countering the uh, the kick. But still, the kick was landing, and then the shot after the the third shot, let's say again, was landing for Cannoneer as well. So even though Vittori was doing well on that, it was still an issue for him. But yeah, it, there was bad signs for Vittori at the end of the second. I thought he was, uh, he, he had the look of a lad who was on the way out, you know. Um, he was kind of did that, doing that slunching, uh, slunching a word, slumping down sort of thing against the cage after eating a lot of shots. But there was at one stage where Cannoneer kind of got on top of him and then he kind of took the back. And Vittori was able to get in on kind of a uh, kind of a single leg, a uh, high crotch, let's say, and he held it there. And, and maybe it wasn't even that, but he just kind of held in position for maybe thirty seconds. Got his head together and was able to survive it, but got to the end of the round, ten eight round there. And honestly, that was kind of the, the changing of the fight. Cannonier came out in the third, and he landed a barrage of shots again. Not as um, Close to finishing him or anything like that, but still landing a, a whole pile of shots and definitely won the third as well. Fourth a little bit closer. That was probably uh, the uh, the closest round of the fight, funnily enough, considering the first wasn't close. Vittori won it. The second wasn't close. Um, uh, Cannoneer won it. The third wasn't close. Cannoneer won it. Uh, and the fourth... Um, the fourth was was kind of close. Fifth was relatively close as well, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go overboard with it. But well, it was up until a certain point, up until the point that I think Kenneth uh, here kind of pulled away a little bit. But uh, yeah, look, it was a, a great performance from uh, from Kenneth and you know. I uh, so I have actually have the cards up here just as, as I look at it. I was correct. The four round was the one round that the judge one judge gave to Vittori. So um, Saldimato gave the everyone gave the first round to Vittori, which was correct. Everyone gave a ten eight in the second round, which was brilliant judging. Everyone gave a ten nine in the third, which was correct. Um, Michael Belbin Cartledge both gave a ten nine to Cannoneer in the fourth, but. Saldimato didn't agree, uh, which I, I can absolutely see. And in all 10 nines, the Cannoneer in the fifth. So that's uh, that's very, very, very good judging there. I must say, to be honest, I, I couldn't disagree with uh, with any of those cards. Now, I, I actually, sorry, when I, 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 I was slightly mistaken there in my uh, talking about the fifth round, 
the fifth round started even and then finished with Cannoneer coming on. I said it the other way around. And in the end, I actually I actually personally thought he did enough to get a 10-8 in the fifth. Uh, but it was it was a borderline, way more borderline than, than the second round. But yeah, there was a lot of shots landed and I thought he might have been put out there. Um, in the second round and the fifth round, what they both had was, especially the second round actually, heavy ground and pound. When Cannoneer was able to get Vittori down he was able to land some heavy shots and they came late in the fifth but they came after a big barrage on the feet before that so yeah um very good judging there but um a very good performance from Cannoneer as well um before that Armin Saryukin in the second round Saryukin got hit with a massive left hook and almost knocked out but other than that it was all Saryukin uh, other than that and other than maybe four or five other left hooks he like do you ever see those things where the the trainer forces their fighter to like hold a tennis ball up to their chin, you know, so you won't drop the right hand? It feels like Saryuka needs a bit of that because God Almighty he kept getting caught, caught with that left hook all the time, over and over. But that was really it. Saryuka was better. You know, his striking was better. His, his grappling was better. It was all better, really. And uh, he's calling for uh islam and he's got it for everyone at the end so very good performance from him uh there the christian leroy duncan armand patrosian fight like this one could just goes to show you i think that people uh you know people are very quick to write off someone a lot of people are writing off christian leroy duncan uh, after this now i wouldn't definitely be one of those people what i would say though is one thing phenomenal performance from armand patrosian he just stayed in there fought his game was technical and tactical and brilliant just through his shots and was keeping it simple and won the fight because of it. Christian Eri Duncan, very naive performance, very naive. Even at middleweight, you know, in the UFC, you cannot go out there and do what he did. He didn't take it seriously. He was throwing these weird techniques, turning his back on a fighter. Like, he has all the ability, uh, and I wouldn't stop him for one minute going out there being flowy and throwing all these mad shots or anything like that. But the disrespect he showed to the fight was... Uh, he needed he needed to lose. Like it was it was one of those fights where you see a guy and you think, well, good on you. You know, go, you messed and bollocks inside there, and you lost every round. Basically, you know, uh, you needed that loss. You needed you needed to kick up the arse like that. You re- he really really did to perform like that. Uh, it I, I'm not. It wasn't a bad performance, right? It certainly wasn't a good performance. It was just a. A, a, a childish performance, really. I'd say he go back and look at that, and I don't know. I'm not sure. Obviously, Mark Weir is in his coach team. I'm not sure who else is there. Mm, this didn't seem great. This did not seem great. Um, yeah, it was it was so bad that I am thinking like, well, you need to find a proper gym or something like that. And uh, it's it might be a bit harsh to say, but it was that. It was disappointing. As someone who's a, a, a big admirer of Christian Era Duncan and his ability, um, that certainly wasn't it, and it's going to need a big change for the next fight because to be prepared and to enter a fight like that, I'll use the word again, naive. It was very, very, very naive to fight like that. Not good at all, but a good win for uh, Armin Petrosian. My guy, Pat Sabatini, came back after losing to Damon uh, Jackson. And had a great win here. Triangle choke over Lucas Almeida dominating for the whole fight. Five to do for the submission. Not so bad uh, after a night of bad bets. Um, one of the knockouts of the year that's on our list. Manny Torres 
decimated Nicholas Mata with a straight elbow right down the middle. I actually thought it was a straight left hand, wasn't it? At the start, I thought it was, but it wasn't. It was uh, it was the elbow right down the middle. Beautiful knockout if you haven't seen it. What a performance then by Nicholas Dalby. He beat Muslim Salikov. Um got hit hard a few times another guy like Dalby's a little bit like Vittori as well he's just a big hard hitting him and he, he won't get knocked out whatsoever but he landed some lovely shots on Salikov as well very very good stuff out of him there so yeah um, very good win very good win Costa in beat Flick with a good finish there as well um, Kang and uh, Quinones rear naked choke there for Kang very very quick in the in the first round uh, then there was a technical decision for the Carlos Hernandez Dennis Bondar fight. Uh, it was it literally was fourteen fifty nine from the end. So the decision kind of was the decision went to the guy who was uh, you know Hernandez who was the the, the definitely the better fighter uh, on the night uh, in this one. Um, he got a uh, 29, 28 and one card thirty twenty seven on uh, on two cards. So that was pretty straightforward. The finish itself. So. Okay, the finish itself. What happened was it was a slam, head clash, and then a load of elbows. I thought the referee dealt very well with the actual head clash at the end. And I tweeted that, and then they were like, what do you mean the referee dealt with this well with the situation? Because he did let it go too long, and he landed so many elbows. So I just like, okay, I'm just deleting that tweet, because it made... He did well and badly at the same time, you know. <laughs> it's one of those ones. But what, so what happened here, if you didn't see it, as I said again, a big slam. And as he slammed him down, he slammed his head out. So uh, Hernandez slammed Bodnar. And as Bodnar went to the ground, he smashed his head off the ground. But his head hit the, Bodnar's head hit the ground, the canvas, bounced back up and hit uh, Carlos Hernandez's head. And when the when they kind of uh, went apart, when you could see Bodner, he was out. He was knocked out. Then there was a few elbows after that, right? So what knocked him out? Was it the slam or was it the clash of heads? We don't know. So I would, what would I say? My opinion probably would be the slam. So should it have been a, a knockout? If if a referee had gone up and looked at the replay and think, said it was a slam and he had judged it that way, I think that, that would have been logical, fair, uh, refereeing. I would have seen no problem with that at all. But that is making a call, right? That's not 100% correct. If someone could come on here, right, and disagree with me and say, no, actually, Sean, I think it was a head clash that knocked him out. And that is the exact reason why this was right to go to what would have been a no contest, but we had passed into the third round. So it goes to the cards for a technical decision, as it would if it was a cost or an eye book or whatever it would be. I think uh, Jaren Vallel, the referee, called it straight away. Uh, and they went and they looked at us very well and they came out with the right decision. Went to the cards and Hernandez won. So to me, no controversy. They got it exactly right. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, to be honest. Uh, where there was controversy was the Ronnie Lawrence-Daniel Argueta fight. Um, the, uh, the fight was stopped by referee Keith Peterson. Um... The one of the fighters was caught in a guillotine. Peterson went in to check it, and as he did, he hit the hand of the other fighter on uh, onto the back of the, the fighter who was being submitted, and it looked like to Keith Peterson that the guy was tapping. But in fact, he wasn't. It was just Keith Peterson moved his hand. So Keith Peterson made an awful mistake. They went and they looked at the replay, and uh, they turned around and said, look, 
Key Peterson stopped that fight. It has to go to no contest. You can, there's a rule you can't restart the fights. Uh, so they, they made the right decision. A terrible mistake. But what I love about the the end part of this is we see terrible mistakes all the time in sports, right? And we very rarely see a referee actually own up to that terrible mistake and they fucking change it, right? That's what exactly happened here. Now, you can change it in that you can restart the fight. I, I saw a few people saying uh, that should be a rule. I would, I would tend to agree in situations like this. I always think, like, bring a bit of logic into it, you know, rather than just having it straight rules. Could this fight have been restarted? Yes, but also, where do you restart it? Like, it's very hard to restart in, in the guillotine in the way it was, so it's tough. The fight was in, the, that's the rule, so you can only go by the rules. Glad they owned up to it. Glad uh, they... They, they made it no decision as people are probably saying again like oh you're taking half the pay away well that was a mistake but there sh- that shouldn't be there anyway you can't blame uh, a mistake that anyone could make um, as bad as it was on the, the UFC's terrible pay structure so uh, yeah and then Melissa Spokowski got the win I actually missed uh, almost all of that recording this podcast so I saw a few people saying the first round Poingash won it and the 3027 wasn't great but I don't think many people were complaining about the actual decision itself so um, yeah all in all uh, um, a pretty eventful night. A lot of things happened with referee and thing. Not really judging the judging. It, I wouldn't say it was actually a straightforward judging night, but there was some uh, great cards out there. And uh, yeah, very bad mistake by Keith Peterson, but they made the right thing after it. And Valel did a good job, I think, with that as well. So yeah, that is basically it. I'm tired, lads. I leave it at that. Thank you to everybody for listening. Um, subscribe if you aren't already if you're not subscribed to Patreon patreon.com forward slash severe podcast check out our friends over at Manscaped our friends over at Kildare Lab use the promo code severe MMA in both places and uh, yeah we'll see you good luck <laughs>